Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown, and today is Sunday, it's the 18th of March, 2012. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. You can hear Gun Rights Radio Network on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Gun Rights Radio Network shows can be found under sources. Welcome back to the show. I know I've been kind of off my schedule a little bit. We actually spent this last week in California, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. We've got some feedback from Dave in Utah about being able to carry concealed on school grounds. But before we jump into that stuff, let's go ahead and get our contact information out of the way. I've got the voicemail, which I also share with my other podcast. So if you're leaving a voicemail, just make sure you let me know it's for Firearms Cafe. And that number is 206-745-2731, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. If you would like to record your own WAV file or an MP3 file, any type of audio file, and send that to me, or if you want me to read out your email, I'd be more than happy to do that for you. And the email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, let me go ahead and we'll pull up Dave's uh, email that he sent me. And Dave writes in, he says, Hey, Tony, you wondered if Utah allows concealed carry in all public schools, not just universities. The answer is yes. The way the law is written, it's illegal to carry a gun in a public school unless you are a federal, state, city law enforcement officer, active duty military, or if you have a concealed carry permit. So the same laws that allow school resource officers to be armed while on duty at school also allows me, with a valid permit, to be armed there as well. Private schools are privately controlled, of course, and so the law doesn't apply to them. They get to enforce their own rules as the property owners. This means that at universe, uh, excuse me, University of Utah, Utah Valley University, Utah State University, and any K-12 through public school, I can be armed, but not at BYU, Westminster College, or any of the private K-12 through schools like Challenger, for example. If Arizona really wants to respect people's right to self-defense, a single line of legislation could solve the problem. Wherever it says that police can be armed in a school, add concealed carry permit holders to that list. I think it's a fair compromise. The permit basically certifies that the user has a clean background and anyone who is eligible to own a gun is eligible to get a permit, from what I understand. I carried my weapon at the University of Utah from September of 2007 to when I graduated in December of 2010, and it was just fine. Let me know if I can answer any other questions for you, and that's Dave from Utah. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for sending that in. You know, here in Arizona, and I think I talked about maybe a couple of shows ago, that we did have a campus carry bill. There was one that was being, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, sponsored or, or, for lack of a better word, we just say sponsored or backed by the NRA. And I think that was bill, I want to say it was like 14, let me look at it, okay, 1474. And that was uh, NRA requested campus carry bill that would allow uh, 
permit holders to carry concealed on the campus, but it would allow the college or university governing boards, if they wanted to, they could prohibit weapons inside of the buildings as long as they uh, had installed temporary and secure storage for the weapons, Uh, which may mean that you would, for each building, that you would probably have to have storage lockers, and you may also have to have somebody stationed at those lockers to make sure that they didn't get broken into. So that would be the secure part. Uh, so I kind of thought with that little rider, I had kind of thought that it wasn't going to make it. It was going to, uh, there was going to be a little bit too much opposition to it. I think that probably out here within the next maybe three, hopefully not much longer than five years, we'll get something similar to what Utah has. Uh, people out here though, and as any other parts of the country as well, get real wiggy when it comes to carrying on schools, which, and they're, and they're, even even if you get people that say, well, it's okay for universities because the people that would be carrying would be at least 21 years old because you have to have a permit to be able to do it. Uh, but when it comes to the, you know the public schools like the K through 12s, they really kind of get wiggy and have that whole uh, the whole think of the children and the children need to be safe and all this other stuff. But when you think about it, I mean, it's a nonsensical argument because. If a person is who's let's say they've got a permit, or even out here in Arizona if, with um, constitutional carry, if they don't have a permit and they're carrying concealed, they can still be in a McDonald's, they can still be at a public park, they can still be well, maybe I can't remember if it's a public park or not. Um, I think public park you may have to have a permit, but anyway, let's say they could be in McDonald's, they could be at a at a pizza parlor or something like that. They're going to be around kids. They're going to be, you know, and things aren't going crazy there. So, uh, but again, people have been kind of fed the line and the fear and all this stuff for so long that it's it's almost second nature to them. Uh, there was another bill that was having to deal with government buildings or state buildings where basically it was kind of saying the same thing, that if you want to keep uh, law-abiding gun owners who want to carry in that building out. If you're saying you can't carry in here, then you have to, again, provide secure storage. You also have to have metal detectors and armed guards there to provide some semblance of security. And you have to make it to where that nobody who goes in there can be armed at all. Uh, which, you know, so I that may get passed. Uh, again, it will be a baby step. It's one of those things where once you get A, you can then go to B or C or something like that. So like I said, hopefully within the next few years, we'll, uh, we'll get that here. Um, let's see if there was, there was a bunch of stuff kind of this session, uh, the legislative ses- session, excuse me, that had to do with a lot of hunting and things like that. Um, there was things about you being able to, if you are hunting, that you can carry a a, a sidearm with you, you know, something for, for, uh, self-protection, um, and self-defense. So right now, the way it, the way some of the statutes read is that you can't, um, you can't carry an extra pistol with you that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be reasonably seen as something that you would hunt with type thing. So, but, and I think we'll probably get, uh, we'll get something like that. Uh, like I said, there was a lot of kind of hunting things. Um, I don't really hunt that much anymore. So uh, the big stuff that I wanted was the uh, 
uh, some of the campus stuff. One of the things that I kind of had thought was a good idea, but it it didn't it didn't even make it to uh, committee hearing deadlines, was a thing about they were going to allow university faculty members who had a valid permit to possess a concealed firearm on campus. And again, I thought that would be a good baby step, but it didn't uh, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, I'm looking at the site now. I'm seeing if there's anything that really kind of kind of stands out. Um, there was some stuff that was anti-gun where they were adding, trying to adding colleges and universities to the definition of school for a weapons misconduct. Um, so that, that failed, that didn't meet the deadline. There was a thing trying to expand weapons misconduct that is still, I think may still be going. Um, so hopefully that won't make it. I don't think that's going to make it. There was a thing that, again, was trying to criminalize private firearm sales. Basically, they were trying to require uh, background checks on all private sales at gun shows. And it was, like, real super defined. But that one didn't make it. That one, again, failed to meet the committee deadline. There was also one that would make it a crime to enter any state building, including the House of Representatives wing at the, at the state wing of the Capitol carrying a deadly weapon. That one uh, failed to meet. That probably part of that had there was a, oh some things in the news not too long ago out here about one of the lawmakers had a had brought in a pistol or something like that. So they were probably trying to get rid of that. Uh, let's see. Um, bop, bop, bop. Well, this probably isn't too too exciting for most of you, but again. You know, a lot of this stuff, some people say, well, I live in Idaho or I live somewhere else. Why do I really care about what happens in Arizona or what happens in Utah? And again, we go over this stuff before is that what happens in one or two states, once then some of those things get kind of rolling, it can spread throughout the country. Uh, so again, you know, way back in the, I think it was, was it in the uh, 80s when concealed carry started first getting bandied about? And of course... Uh, now it's pretty much in all states except for one, which is Illinois. Uh, there is some form of concealed carry provision. Now, there's still several states that are may issue only, which means that there's discretion on on uh, law enforcement's part, which basically means they have total say on whether or not you're going to get it, and it can be very arbitrary. Uh, so basically, if you have money, if you're famous, you'll get it. Other than that, you're not going to. Uh, but at least we're at the point now where pretty much everywhere there's at least an ability, in theory, to get a permit. Uh, although you could say, you know, there's permits in New York and New Jersey, and the average person just actually absolutely has no chance of getting that. And it's getting that way in California as well. Uh, although when you think about California, you could almost say there's sort of two... You could almost divide that the the state into half, and and uh, Northern California seems to be a little bit more sensible, uh, at least some of the local sheriffs up there. Well, anyway, speaking of California, I had uh, my family and I had gone on vacation there, and I wanted to, and as we've done the last time that we went there, I took a firearm. Now, what I did is I went onto the California Department of Justice website under their firearm section, and. To the best of my ability, from what I could tell, me as a non-resident of the state, if I'm coming in there, 
I can bring in certain firearms. Uh, and for the purpose of what I would want to bring in, it's pretty much going to be uh, for the purposes of self-defense, and so it's going to be a handgun. So what I did is I went and I looked on their uh, firearms that are their approved of firearms list for sale. And basically, if it's on that list, I reasoned that I would be able to bring that in because that's one that they're saying, hey, this gun is okay in our state. So I, I took a Glock 26, and of course, you can't have anything that holds more than 10 rounds. So I took the, uh, my, and those come standard with a 10-round magazine. So I took that. It's also in a caliber that you can have, which is a 9mm. They are, the, the, the way you can transport a firearm there is a little different you if you're going even if you're going from let's say from arizona into california going to your your what would be considered your temporary residence or your place of residence you can transport it legally there now the gun has to be in a locked case it also has to be the ammunition has to be separate from it from my understanding you I don't even think you can have the ammunition loaded in a magazine, even if you have them separately. I think it has to be fully unloaded. And then the the ammunition and the, the handgun have to be separate. And I think you may you may have to have the magazine separate from the firearm. So, again, it's real wacky. And I did my best to comply with everything, which makes it a pain in the ass, but... You know, you, you you do what you need to do. Now, as an out-of-state person, I, of course, can't carry concealed. You can't carry openly. Um, but the way that the, the laws were written, basically what it says is that as long as you are uh, a citizen of the United States and you're a certain age, so you're over 18... You can possess that firearm and it can be loaded in your residence, um, whether that's your main home or, or whether you're in that state temporarily and you're at your hotel or, or your condo or wherever you're going to be staying, even if it was a relative's house. That would then become your temporary residence. And it would be the same, I believe, if you were in an RV. That RV becomes your temporary residence however i don't know with an rv if you're and i didn't really look into it too much since i wasn't in an rv but i don't know if you're driving around if you could at that point have it on your person um or only if you're parked and you're at a place where you're actually going to be where that's going to be more of a residence and not a vehicle the way that that i read the code was that if you're on, again, if you're not a prohibited possessor and you're not prohibited from owning or possessing a firearm, you may carry either openly or concealed, I'm going to go ahead and read this out here, anywhere within his or her place of business or on private property owned or lawfully possessed by him or her, you can carry any pistol, revolver, or other firearm capable of being concealed upon the person. And it says a permit or license to purchase, own, possess, keep, or carry is not required under these circumstances. So, again, if you were in your hotel or if you were in 
your own, let's say if you had a second home in California or something, while you're there, I think you could have it on you uh, and you could have it loaded. Uh, again, I I, th- I think I did everything to comply with the laws there. And of course, I never took it out of the hotel unless, un- until we were leaving. And then it was again, it was locked up and all that other kind of jazz we had to go through. And it's funny, and I've talked about it on previous shows, is that, you know, once I cross that state line, all of a sudden I'm not as trustworthy. And then once I'm coming back and I'm leaving California and coming into Arizona, all of a sudden I'm very trustworthy. And the things that I'm capable of doing go way, way up. But the person who I am doesn't change that, you know, that, and that's what they should really be looking at. And that's why I support the, uh, oh, what's it called? The reciprocity, the, uh, nationwide reciprocity bills that are going through, whether, uh, as long as Obama's in the white house, it's never going to get signed. Um, uh, but some people would argue, and if you wanted to play like kind of like devil's advocate, you could even say, well, doesn't that interfere with state rights? If you have a, you wouldn't want the opposite. You wouldn't want the federal government to come in and mandate that nobody could carry uh, in any other state other than their own. So why would you support a bill that that uh, is going to mandate to states that if the person from Arizona has that permit that he can carry in Nevada or he can carry in California as long as you apply with, you know, comply with, again, you'd have to comply with like their safe gun list or whatever, that kind of stuff. And you'd have to still know their laws of where you could and couldn't go even with or without a permit, that type of thing. And the reason that you can't say, well, it it is stepping on, uh, it's it's the government over kind of overstepping their bounds is because you're, it would be like saying that you couldn't have, if you were a resident in Arizona, you couldn't have any free speech in California or that you couldn't, that your constitutional rights to uh, search and seizure, so the Fourth Amendment, wouldn't apply to you because all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're not, you're not in Arizona, um, anymore. So if I'm in California, you know, I don't get the fourth amendment protections. Although many people could argue that with the Patriot Act, with the, uh, National Defense Authorization Act, that, uh, a lot of the Bill of Rights is pretty much, it's a, kind of like a dead letter type thing. Uh, but that may be a discussion for another day. But anyway, What I wanted to, I guess the point of all this stuff and what I'm talking about is that you can, even in places where you think you cannot have a gun or can't have an ability to protect yourself, there are ways if you'll take the time to sort of look up the laws uh, and try and get some understanding of them and try and comply with those. And as long as you do that, you at least, while you're in your hotel or while you're in your temporary residence in a state like California, you would at least be able to have some means of self-defense and you could at least protect yourself Uh, because otherwise you're, you know, you're going to be up the creek if you you need it and you don't have it. So, well, I think we're going to draw the show to a close today. I know it's a little bit shorter than what we, uh, what I usually put out, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you got something out of it. And if you have any feedback or any questions or uh, if you have some, uh, good news about maybe some legislation that's coming down in your state, wherever you happen to be, go ahead and call in or send me an email. And like I said, we'll be able to discuss it on the next show. All right, my friends, I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. With 
Senator Dianne Feinstein of California was the author and champion of the assault weapons ban in 1994. Senator Feinstein wants to reinstate the assault weapons ban. But what are her chances? She admits she's facing daunting opposition. The National Rifle Association essentially has a stranglehold on the Congress. Has anybody, the Democratic leadership in the Senate, or anybody from the administration looked at you and said, back off? No. Nobody said a word to me. And what about President Obama, who NRA supporters like to call the great gun grabber? His website says he wants to make the expired federal assault weapons ban permanent. But the White House doesn't seem to be interested in bringing it up anytime soon. There's some sense that the president has so many crisis issues on his plate right now um, that the idea of bringing up guns, which is considered part of the culture wars, would be such a diversion. I agree with you. I wouldn't bring it up now. So you're going to hold off. That's correct. And you, and you'll pick the time and the place. No question about that.
Superhuman strength. Houdini, 